0: afternoon, evening, night, whatever time it might be. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Cho Show Podcast presented by theswathreport.com. I'm your host, Jonathan Goodall, a.k.a. JG Smooth. I appreciate the support on the Shining day special. I know my voice was giving out. Also was having some drainage issues at that point in time. Full disclosure, uh, that was the second attempt at that. The first one, I didn't like how it came out. I um, felt like it was more rambling than it normally is because you know that's just uh, that this is the way it is, unfortunately. Um, so I, I'm, I'm glad that it was highly regarded. I also appreciate the support on the Dawson Huddleston, <laughs> Dawson Huddleston, Dawson Hurl, um J.K. Moore, and Trayvon Craig one-on-ones as well. I really appreciate that. Uh, I meant to have this out last week, but Allergies were kind of bothering me, so we moved it to uh, this week. Um, So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and bring on my guest now. I'm joined by University of Central Oklahoma Defensive Coordinator Cody Swanson. Coach, thank you for taking time this afternoon to come on and talk to us. Uh, Could you start by telling the viewers and listeners a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So my name is Cody Swanson. I was originally born and raised in Emporia, Kansas, Uh, grew up there, went to high school at Emporia High. Um, After high school, I went to Highland Community College for a year, um, played defensive in there. Um, After Highland, I actually went to Emporia State University, played defensive line there, um, graduated, got my master's. So born and raised, you know, in Kansas, recruited Oklahoma pretty heavy. Um, And then now, you know, to the point where I'm at now, it's me my wife, uh Jordan, who actually ran track at Emporia. And then we have two little boys, Ronan and Maddox. So Maddox is two years old. Ronan just turned four months old. So, you know, two under two was rough there for a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, it wasn't easy. Um, but after Emporia, I went, uh, I GA'd there, went to Gannon University. I was the defensive line coach under Brian Nardo, who is our defensive coordinator. You know, he was the first coach to give me my first full-time job there. Um, and then after that 2022 season, Coach Nardo obviously went to Oklahoma State to be the defensive coordinator. And so me and Coach Pearson got promoted to be co-DCs at Gannon. Um, and then following that season, made the trip here to Edmond.
0: Um, okay, so now you mentioned you're, you're, you're born, raised, bred, Kansas. So for, for those of us that might not know, how, how kind of would you describe the high school football scene in the state of Kansas.
1: Yeah, so you know when I was at Emporia, one thing we recruited Oklahoma very heavy because Coach Higgins being from Shawnee, Oklahoma, uh, we recruited Texas very heavy. And the uh, to me, the thing about Kansas football is what we really saw: the kids that came in. Number one, they really had a love for the game uh, when they when they walked into Emporia. Is a lot of very hardworking individuals, just like myself. But the biggest thing was the amount of development through your first two years. Um, Kansas high school football, there is some very, very good teams. You have Derby's, um, St. Thomas, Aquinas, all of those schools. And then you also have the eight-man football teams. And those kids, when we came in, they developed very fast. We actually had a few all-conference kids during my time. That was Kansas or Oklahoma, eight-man kids. So, you know, I Kansas football, it's – Definitely a place where they take that step in college and they, they take a huge development Um and just a whole bunch of tough kids that, that want to play football and want to be better.
0: Um, now you mentioned you, you played high school football. I It took some digging. I found your high school highlights. Now I let me, I'm going <laughs> to read you my scouting notes and let oh me, I, I, tell me if this is accurate or not. All right. So what, the first thing that jumped off at me, you had a very quick first first step. I mean, you fired off the ball. You were shooting the gaps well. I saw, I saw a nice spin move there. I saw good form tackling. Uh, I, I saw um, a high motor, your high energy chasing ball carriers down, the, down, down the field. You also played some fullback. I really love fullbacks. I feel like they're very <laughs> underappreciated there. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> Uh, So with my scouting report, first of all, would that be an accurate scouting report of your high school playing days?
1: No, absolutely. Uh, I may have looked better on film than I actually was. Um, It's actually kind of crazy. My senior year of high school, uh, game one, I actually tore meniscus. So I played my entire year from the second drive on one. The thing is week four or five, we played Topeka High. I actually tore lateral meniscus, uh, played on it. So a lot of that, you know, was me playing injured and then actually tore my ACL and I had three meniscus tears by the time my senior year was over. So, you know, a lot of that, I was not healthy, just trying to get through it and have fun with all my high school teammates.
0: Okay, how, how are we playing on two torn meniscus? I feel like that's, I mean, I've heard people playing with like ankle sprains, maybe some mm-hmm. kind of shoulder sprain, but we're talking two torn meniscus. How were you playing through that? Um,
1: honestly, there for a while, I just I thought I was I was being a little baby, to be honest with you. I didn't know what was wrong. Um, we did team runs after and I just thought I was sore for after the game. So every time it would get better by about Thursday, we, we'd play on a Friday. And then that early next week, I was out for for a few days. But I'll never forget when I had my MRI my mom and my dad, they came to the high school and they're like, well, you weren't lying. Like your meniscus tears don't have any blood in them. So like they were torn all season. Um, some of it, I just think the mindset is I didn't want to let down my teammates and, you know, my best friends and go play ball with everybody when I could.
2: Um. So from
0: from there, you mentioned you moved on to Highland Community College. Now, uh, I know. Last chance you was kind of showing some spotlight on, on junior college football. I've talked to several junior college players. What was your junior college experience like?
1: Um, eye-opening originally, to be quite honest with you. Uh, coming back from my rehab, I was not nearly as athletic as I was in high school, um, trying to gain weight to play in a three-man front as well. And I'll never forget that first day we ran 16 110s and squatted after. And then it was at 545 in the morning. And I walked off the field and I was like, I do not know if this is for me. And there's me and my best friend, Josh Pearson. And I remember we were were in the, we were walking and we both looked at each other like, this is going to be tough, but it's going to be fun. Um, I loved everything about it. Met a lot of really good people. Um, I learned a lot just of different people's backgrounds, upbringings, what makes them. um, But Kansas and the Jayhawk is very, very good football. Our middle linebacker was the number one linebacker in the country. And just me seeing him play and prepare was phenomenal. And it helps me as a coach today because he was calling everything out before before the snaps. But that's kind of the...
0: You you, you touched on... Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Sorry. I was going to say that was kind of the first time I realized that, you know, junior college, not everybody's there for themselves. But majority of the people are there to better their life, to better themselves. So that was the first time I saw like the different level of intensity of people need football. And, you know, I don't pour you high. We had a few people like that, but not anybody that needed football to better their life or better their situation. So that was kind of one thing that struck me was I need to work harder. You know, everybody thinks they are the hardest worker on the team Um, in high school. You might be, but you get to a college level. It's a whole nother intensity. And that was one thing I really took it away: is you had the people that want to play football, and you have the people that need to play football to better themselves.
0: Um, and and I feel like you 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 see that kind of respected in some of the play uh, when when they get to your four year uh, institutions. You know, we've had great success uh, in my time covering with junior college players. They they come, and I feel like they come in. Uh, I always say with put a chip on their shoulder, um, something to prove there. Um, and, and so you kind of going into more detail about that I I think kind of just expounds upon that um now you you mentioned your you you went through obviously the rehab what was that what was that process like so my senior year of high school I, I think it was
1: easy because I was trying to get back to either play college baseball or college football um I was actually recruited for baseball before I ever was football going into my senior year and it was just kind of having that hunger to get back to play um Growing up, I always had to pay for my own college, so I couldn't afford it if I didn't have a football scholarship to go help pay for it. Um, And that was one thing that really drove me home. Um, The other side is I actually tore my other ACL and meniscus in junior college. So I only played in two defensive snaps. I played in special teams. And after my second injury was the hardest rehab. Um, Lost a lot of motivation, uh, pushing myself to come back at the six month mark from four tears. Was tough, and then instantly that getting taken away was very hard on me mentally. Um, My wife was there, obviously, and she she really helped me and mentally see where that end goal is. Um, And it's kind of one thing that gets me into like why do I coach is trying to help people out. And at that time, I had some junior college teammates that was there for me. Like I said, my best friend Josh Pearson from Emporia played with me, and so he helped me get through it um, and kind of find that end of the tunnel, but. You know, injuries are a part of college football, and I think it's all about your culture as a team. Of how fast is somebody going to come back? How hard is somebody going to push? Or is somebody going to fight through an ankle sprain? That type of situation.
0: Um, you, you mentioned having the support, but I, I still, after four tears, at some point did it? Did you? Did it ever think? Okay, maybe it's just time to hang it up pursue other other avenues that you know, the game's gotten me so far already um did that did that ever cross your mind mm-hmm. and if it did how, how did you kind of uh over overcome that
1: yeah so after I tore my second ACL in 2015 um i actually quit playing for two years um, i went to Emporia high school uh, i was a high school d line coach ran the freshman defense for two years um, really helped me as a coach you know you see coaching freshmen to seniors in high school are completely different and just honestly see how can you layer things to make somebody better. And I'll never forget. I was sitting at an Emporia state game with my wife in the stands. Uh They were playing Washburn, which is obviously Emporia's biggest rival. And I looked at my wife and I was like, I think I can still play. And she looked at, she looked at me, just kind of shook her head. And then that day I was like, I'm going back to play. And I was I think 189 pounds at that point, because I was losing all the weight from rehab and, and playing. And I walked into Coach Nardo's office, asked to walk on. And, you know, that's kind of where I got back to my playing career is I walked on for that spring and got put on scholarship the following year and finished playing out. But, you know, the injuries did take the game away from me for a little bit. But ultimately, at the end of the day it made me find my love for it again and I'll never forget sitting in those stands and that kind of brings me to who I am today is a lot of people have to have something taken away from you in order for you to find the true love so being here for the kids being there but honestly telling them my story a lot of the kids are like all right coach is in this for the right reason we're going to go play some ball
0: so when you when you finally when you walked on that that was your first time playing in a few years what I mean, what what kind of were the challenges of starting to play again uh, after taking that 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 time off?
1: Um, first of all, is just getting your body back ready for the consistent pounding it's going to take. Um, the main thing is Coach Higgins has a very good culture there at Emporia State. So me going into it. It wasn't me coming in as a walk-on for, say, for the culture. It was me coming in there to compete and try to go earn a spot. So I'd say the hardest part in totality was just finding the groove again of the amount of time it takes to be a very good college football player. Um, the easy part was I had more love for the game than I ever had. So going to workouts, going to run, going to do seven-on-seven, seven, all of that stuff to me was fun. It was no longer the part of I have to go to practice every day was I get to go to practice or I get to go watch film. I get to go be around Coach Laporta, um, and that to me was the biggest positives from the injury was just the switch in mindset.
0: Uh, I know you you, you appeared in, in three games in 2018. Just talk about the the what was the what was was the emotion um, when you when you finally played in that in that in that first game.
1: Yeah, I'll never running on the field um, for the first time, just looking to get the call. Um, you know, whenever you you get those those feelings of like everything I did was for a reason. Um, I never forget. I didn't play very much my first year, like you said, in 2018 in three games. But I could probably name majority of those Missouri Southern reps, um, which was one of the first games I really got to get in and play um, and just getting in playing once again, finding everything was for a reason. Um, and going into that off season, getting to play in three games, the amount of confidence coach Laporto brought into me was the main factor of, you know, the development from the 2018 to 2019 season.
0: Uh, and then your, 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 your final year, you played in all 11 games. Uh, you had 17 tackles, three CFLs. What uh, one, one sack. What How, how, I guess what what does it what does it mean to know that through all the the injuries the ups and downs the time off you were able to end your career on the field in a meaningful way
1: yeah it was it was everything and me coming back to play there was always layers like I loved football I always wanted to play um I also always wanted to coach after my freshman year of college. Um, so me getting the opportunity to go play, go learn under a few really good coaches started my career. And there was always something of why did I want to come back and play is I wanted to be a coach. Um, And then just at the end of that 2019 season, I was actually trying to get a medical um, from my junior college injuries. So I was training all the way up till early July. I think it was late January or late June, early July, and then the NCAA didn't give me an extension. So that 2019 season, I actually thought it was going to be my junior year. So that was kind of different. It got got shut off a little early for me, um, and it actually started my coaching career of going to be a graduate assistant at Emporia under Coach Laporta.
0: Now, now that's interesting to mention that because we hear so much about um, applying for waivers and and you're getting denied. What what kind of, what what was that process like of of applying uh, for that medical hardship?
1: Yeah, so the main thing for me was I hit my 10 semester limit um, right before COVID. So with us not having proper documentation of like, why did I sit out for two years? That was kind of the main reason I didn't get it. But to start it, you had to have, you know, a physical therapist sign off and kind of talk about why did your rehab take so long for my scenario it was back to back ACL tears. Um, they didn't really want to push me too hard in the rehab and kind of have a long drawn out process. Um, so a lot of that with the NCAA is just, they want to make sure before they grant you that waiver, that everything that you have done was for a reason that was outside of your control. Um, and that is the, the, the PT notes, your doctor notes, um, Anything that you claimed of why did you sit out? So it's kind of a long, drawn out process. I think we started it before that spring semester. um And it took all the way till June, July for me to figure it out that if I was going to get granted or if I wasn't.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I, because I know it's kind of a it, in the gray area, but it's not really known what that process is like, what kind of all goes into it. So, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Um, so once you learn that your eligibility had run out, then how do we transition back into coaching as a grad assistant?
2: Um for me or just in general? Um for you. Okay. So for me,
1: um I actually volunteered for that first semester because it was way too late and didn't have any paid graduate assistant openings. Um and bless my wife, you know, she she helped me make it through that with me not getting paid for 6 months. Um but I was actually working at my uncle's house when Coach Laporto called me and said that I was not granted the extension. And he told me, he said, I would love to have you back. You can come help me. Uh, There's just no money here for this semester, but put your faith into me and there will be an hopefully there will be money at the end of the semester for you. So a lot of it was just having faith in Coach Higgins, having faith in Coach Laporto that. You know, everything I was about to do was for a reason. So I instantly just started working for free um, directly under Coach Laporto. And then after that fall semester, Coach Higgins, you know, had a graduate assistant job open up for me. Um, You know, I was lucky to find somewhere. And sometimes finding a graduate assistant job is very hard because it's so limited, especially D1s, D2s, or D3s. Um, It's all about, you know, knowing people or, for example, somebody knowing you and passing your name along.
0: Um, and I thought you have a different perspective because, you know, most GAs, they're just fresh off of playing. But you had previous coaching experience at your old high school. So how much did that help you uh, in your transition back into coaching?
1: Oh, it was awesome. Uh, coach uh, LaPorto at Emporia, whenever we started, almost from day one, you know, I had to, I had to earn that he could trust me coaching. Um, but he really just gave me freedom to go coach the defensive ends. Uh, so going through it, we also had COVID in there where there was a lot of different rule changes. So it wasn't really my first year of going in to coach for a season. You know, it was a more of a long, drawn out process. So I'll never forget just me and Coach Laporto sitting there watching a lot of film together, just breaking it down, getting together like packages. And going into that 2021 season, he, he, was, he told me, he said, I want you to bring me like a four-man pass rush game. And I put everything together, went and presented it to him. And then going into that season, Coach Laporte coached the defensive tackles. And then I would go and I would coach the defensive ends. And we would meet together on practice plans. But, you know, he really let me run my own position, which was huge for me, um, especially in recruiting, too. Uh, he had a lot of my opinions and who did we want to bring in? And we'd watch film together. And he honestly gave me a really good jump start to my career because, when coach Nardo called me, I've had the recruiting experience. I had the experience of running my own room, uh, coaching my own position group. Um, And that's where I think it's kind of different is some graduate assistants, you don't get to run a room or you don't get to coach your position group. Um, And coach Laporta did give me that opportunity.
0: And and from a recruiting standpoint, right. Cause I I obviously would have been on the other side of that as a player. So kind of, Having gone through that, how much did that help you in return trying to recruit others to come play for you? Uh,
1: You know, I think a big part of a culture of a football program is your players are your best recruiters. Like, I can bring players in, they can see the facilities, but if you don't have a culture on your team or you don't have a culture in a position group, it's going to struggle. So it really started just me hosting players you know, I was a host for Ryland Miller and Rafe Goucher at Emporia when I was a player, and then so just that transition it took a little bit of time that Coach Laporta teaching me of like what do you look for in terms of the the correct fit. So now I'm a huge aspect of you know bringing in the the correct fit of people. There's a lot of really good football players, but if it is not the correct culture or if that athlete's mentality is not what you want to a room, you don't have to bring everybody in. So it it really helped. With me right now, just being younger too, being able to relate with the players, I like to have a lot of fun with them, bring a lot of energy. And that is one thing I do use in recruiting right now is, you know, the, the age factor of, you know, I'll go out there, I'll do drills with you, I'll, I'll go run with you. If we're wrestling, I may hop in a little wrestling match with you. And that is kind of one thing that's going to set our culture here is just everybody is in it for each other. You know, there is no individuals. It's all selflessness
2: and celebrating together.
0: Um, And what what I find interesting is during your time as a GA, though, not only were you helping with the D-line, you were also assisting with the strength conditioning, special teams, and then you were also an assistant football academic coordinator. How are you balancing all of those roles? (laughs) Um,
1: That is where I think Coach Higgins, his coaching tree is so big, is he does a great job of getting you prepared for a job. So for me, uh, it does sound like a lot, but he was getting me prepared for a full time job of you don't know what your side duty is or you don't know what somebody needs. So helping Coach Goodman in the weight room with uh, Ethan Sharp was the other GA with me is, you know, Coach Goodman would program it and then he would ask us for our opinion. What do we want to change? What do we want to do with running? So we had that hand on experience with you know, scaffolding and being prepared of what you want to be known for. And Coach Goodman was very good. And he helped me with establishing a culture in the weight room. So that way, and that did transition to again, and I had to run the weight room. And then the academic aspect of it was Coach Laporta was the academic coordinator. So me working directly under him, I got a lot of the hands-on experience of how do you set up the correct study hall or how can you create a schedule for the players to be successful. So they know that there's accountability um, as long as, you know, also running the defensive end room. So my main thing is that is all coach Higgins. He is going to be hard on you as a coach, but everything is for a reason. Everything is to prepare you. And, you know, he's honestly helped me get a few jobs. So, um, my main thing as a graduate assistant is don't be too big for any job. So the second that there was something open, I was going to volunteer myself to, get, to you know, try to go help whoever is in charge of it.
2: Um,
0: And your D-line in 2020, 2021, uh, all three of the starters earned all conference. What, what kind of did that mean to you to, to, to see, I guess, maybe the, the results of your hard work kind of pay, pay off with those, those guys mm-hmm. getting those, those kinds of honors?
1: Yeah, so going into the 21 season was very unique because I just got done playing with everybody and going through COVID, there was a good transition of me being in the weight room and and really taking that transition from a player to a coach. So going into that season, Merrick Thompson was one of the starting DNs. At this point, he was already a two-time all-conference kid and somebody that I looked up to when I was a player and would watch how he prepared, how did he look at the game. And then that really helped me coach Jordan Williams, who was a sophomore at that time. He was one of the only freshmen that played in my senior year. We had four senior defensive ends. And I really took a big presence in Jordan Williams because he had every physical tool to be very good. And it was really just simplifying the game and teaching him those small details. So seeing him transition as a freshman to a sophomore, it was not very much of my coaching in terms of he understood the game and he is very good. Um, The big piece of that was Rafe Goucher being a freshman and being an all-conference kid. And just there's so much attention with me and Coach Laporto of coaching those guys daily. There's different types of coaching. And it was a really good balancing act of it. But going after that season of just seeing the all-conference honors in the MIAA, which is very competitive, it was more of along the lines of, what do you look for in a recruit? What do you look for in a mentality in terms of my coaching? Is, the players will be as good as they want to be. It's just you got to create that standard within the room, and that is what Coach Laporto is very good at.
0: Um, and then after that season, Coach Nardo calls, you make the move from Emporia, Kansas, all the way to Pennsylvania. Talk about how that came about and what that process of pretty much moving from your home state where you pretty much have been your whole life across the country to Pennsylvania.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, during that time I was applying for a lot of division two jobs and honestly some within the MIAA and I never once got a call back. So at this point I was getting kind of discouraged and, you know, talking to my wife of coaching is what I want to do. It is, it'll be what I do until I die, you know, Lord willing. But when Coach Nardo called, I I was actually working out, and when he was like, "I'm going to Gannon University," it's in Erie, Pennsylvania. I looked it up, and it said 17 hours away, and I was like, whew, Coach, that's that's a long ways." Um, at that point, we had a two week old, which was you know Maddox was two weeks old, and talking to Coach Nardo, it was he made a a, a statement that has stuck through me, and it's something I really live my life by was. He was like, Swanee, just put your trust into me that I'm bringing you to a good position. And I remember sitting there and I was like playing under Coach Nardo. He never lied to me. He always was being truthful, 100 percent upfront with me. And I went home, talked to my wife and I said, we just need to put our faith into Coach Nardo is if this is a situation he's telling us about. And shortly after that, I think I was hired late January, right before signing day. and then me, my wife, three dogs and a two week old were heading to Pennsylvania. Um, and, you know, it was good for us. I I love Emporia and I love the Midwest, which is a huge reason of me coming back. But it was good for my wife and I to get out and just grow, um, see a different side of you know the U.S. But honestly,
2: just grow together as a family was the most beneficial.
0: Um and and you all did an amazing job there in 2022. I mean, you you, you went from the year before they allowed almost 30 points per game, almost 400 yards a game, to then allowing only 21.9 you know, a, a points per game and 287 point, uh, point yards yards a game. How were you all able to to make that big of a jump uh, in your in your first year there? Some of it. A lot of it is Coach Nardo
1: and his scheme. But to me, a lot of your success is not schematics. It is all culture. And going into there, the players needed a coach to believe in them. And when we got there, really just changing the culture in terms of take the individuals out of it, celebrate together, um, create unity, um, create all of that selflessness aspects of it. Because we had every every player, you know, that returned from that previous year. They just needed the confidence within themselves to really take that next step, to be quite honest with you. Um, and some of that is just getting buy-in. And to me, buy-in is all about relationships. And for uh, for those players, they needed a coach that would believe in them. So day one going in there was talking to each one of what is our vision for you? What is our vision for the defense? And it to me that success is nothing of our coaching, it is all about the relationships that the players had with us, it's all about the relationships that the players had within themselves of being relentless, playing with effort.
2: Um, and then you know, just having that culture of we are going to win is huge to me.
0: Um, and then the last season, uh, coach leads for OSU then you get promoted to cody for the coordinator. So in a matter of nearly uh, a couple of years, you went from being a GA to kind of helping run your your own unit. Um did, like what I mean did, did that did, I guess how how did that transition go? Because that's obviously a, a massive jump in a short amount of time. So um yeah. Um, guess, what what kind of did it did it mean to you to be able to rise up that quickly?
1: What I will say for coaches players is you're not ready for something unless you do it. And learning under coach Nardo was huge for me in terms of the run fits, the coverages, how can you manipulate stuff within three high. And he taught me a lot. There's a lot of times where we would just go in and we'd just be watching film and he's teaching me. There's so many different ways to run quarters, but what do you want to be known for? Um, I guess the transition was I also have to talk about coach Pearson who was there with us. Um, he was there with the previous staff. So he was really the guy to talk to us about a few of the small details to, to help take us to the next step. And when we made that transition, coach Pearson and I, you know, we talked to each other and we both said we we wouldn't want to do this with anybody else because there's a few slogans that I firmly believe in. And number one is ego's the enemy. Um, a lot of people ask me and Coach Pearson, like, how did you do it being co-coordinators and planning and calling the plays on defense? And I'll tell you, there was never an issue in the season where we got into an argument, which is where a lot of the coaches were like, that's impressive. Um, so a lot of our success of the transition was just me and Coach Pearson, our relationship we had together. And then I do think that the players truly bought into it. And I am big on having a lot of fun and giving the players ownership because if they have ownership of something, they have belief. They have the answer to how can we be good? And that was one thing that we really pushed into each other is it's easy to go to practice when the players have a say. It's not easy to go to practice when everything a coach tells you what to do is negative in my opinion. So that was the big culture shift of the success And then getting to this point now, um, I think it's a lot of the players at Gannon and the amount of buy-in that they had. And one thing I want to be known for is culture. I think scheme is scheme. You're going to win a championship with a four-man, three-man front, a bare front. It doesn't matter as long as everybody is bought in to play together and there is a standard. So what we always say is, you know, what is our standard? And we still have to find it here, obviously. But as long as you're relentless with effort and attitude, uh, being selfless, tough and disciplined will be perfectly fine. So, yeah, I was I was actually talking to somebody how it is quick. In two years, I went from being a G.A. to a position coach, to a co-coordinator, to a defensive coordinator. Um, and, you know, a lot of it is just in this profession, if you think, you know, everything you're done. And that's one thing I always want to do is clinic and build relationships with other coaches and, you know, keep expanding my knowledge of the game.
2: Um. So now you had a great run up in
0: Gannon. So then how do we go from Gannon to where we are now with you at UCO?
1: Yeah. So it was actually right before a recruiting visit at Gannon. Um, I had a missed call and this is, I've never told coach Doral this, but I was getting ready for the visit and missed call from a Missouri number. And I didn't even listen to the voicemail, like the, the messages will pop up and it didn't have his name correct. And it was just something, something with UCO, love to talk to you. And I called him back. And for about 20 minutes, I had no idea who I was talking to for a second. And we were just talking about my family, my situation here. Um, what do I want to be known for? And then he asked a question and he said, how is your philosophy different on first and second down to third down? And my wife was actually beside me because Maddox was about to go run in the indoor before this visit. And I looked at my wife and I said, this is an interview. Like, I don't know who I'm talking to. Um, so just talking to Coach Doral of what do I want to be known for? Like, what scheme do I want to run? And Coach Doral has in mind what he wants to do and, you know, obviously why he brought me here. Um, but after I talked to Coach Doral, um, I had a Zoom interview with Doral and Coach Leck. And just talking about defensive line play, things to do different in the three high system than what they were doing, how to manipulate run fits. And after that, I actually talked to Coach Rayburn, who is our head coach at Gannon and very, very smart coach, somebody I look up to a lot in this profession. He's been very successful. And I told him about just the interview and him and I talking about it was you know, it's closer to home. It's in the Midwest for me and my family. We're three hours from my parents. We're three hours from her dad, which is huge for me. Is this is the first time I had a chance to put my family first of my wife. She works from home. It's tough on her to be the only one home all the time. So that was a huge part of my decision. But coach Rayburn, he, he told me was being a young coach in the profession. Always take an interview. Always talk to the coaches because it's going to be something for you to learn of. And that was something that I'm very grateful for. Coach Rayburn was he knew of the opportunity. And every time I walked into the office, him and I were sitting there laughing, talking football, and watching film together. So after that, um, Coach Doral and Coach Leck they offered me the job to come here as the D line coach. Um, and then once I got here, me and Coach Leck were kind of talking a little bit of football. I was told from Coach Leck that he was going to Millsap to be the head coach there. Um, and then it was actually about a week later, uh, we were sitting in a staff room just talking and Coach Doral, before he even told me, he told the staff that I was going to be the defensive coordinator. And it was something that we talked about and kind of my visioning um, of trying to get here. I wanted to learn under Coach Leck and some of the stuff that he did. Um, and then once he told the team that or he told the coaching staff that I was the d c. Um, he told the team directly after. So, you know, I originally came here as the d line coach, and you know, really wanting to kind of put my blueprint on some of the changes that we'll make. um and everything just kind of happened with Coach Leck taking that job and and everything fell in order.
0: So now, having come here to 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 be a position coach, and you got thrust into being the d c. So now you in turn, have to assemble your staff here fairly quickly because we're, we're you know, it's, it's recruiting time and all that. So what, what, what was that process like of, of filling out your own staff for kind of the, 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 the first time fully?
1: Yeah, so Coach Doral, he brought me into his office, and this was after he told the staff that I was going to be the defensive coordinator, and he was kind of talking about what do I need to be successful? Um, what do I need to be confident within the MIAA? And, you know, he said that we had two openings on defense with, um, Leck leaving and he was, he kind of mentioned of, you know, you could bring in a D line coach. We have coach Harwell here to be a linebackers coach. He knows the three high with Leck. It'll be a good chance to, for us to mix our ideas. And I told him, I said, coach, I, I want to bring in two DBs coaches And the main reasoning for that is with what we're going to do, it's a lot on the back end. And knowing my personality, if I was not coaching a position, people probably wouldn't like me because I'd be micromanaging everybody sitting in their meetings and, you know, writing notes on how to critique them. Uh, Just just who I am. You know, I want to be competitive. I want to be good. So, you know, holding the coaches to that standard. Um, So he asked me, he's like, well, you know, with you wanting to hire two DBs coaches, do you have anybody in mind? And You know, before I left Gannon, I was talking to Coach Pearson of, you know, kind of what is he wanting? How is his, his life? And, you know, he didn't want to leave Gannon. Um, he was very happy there. Same with me. It was tough to make this decision because of the players there. Um, and when I called him and just told him about the opportunity, it was the same exact answer that I had was this is a chance for him to put his family first and his wife being a nurse, um, you know, eerie compared to OKC. It's a lot better situation for her. And so I told Coach Doral that Coach Pearson is interested. And then kind of what Coach uh, Doral wanted was, you know, me having in mind, bring somebody in to help me schematically in the back end. And then this was big for Coach Doral was bringing in somebody for all about technique. And after the season or in 2022, we had Kamal Dumas and he was our restricted earnings corners coach. And I'll never forget there was days me walking off the field and there was times I would stop my D line practice. I would send them to get water so I could watch KD and TP run their DB drills. And so I call um, Coach KD and I said, hey, like this isn't a a possibility for you. Would you be interested in moving your family from Jersey all the way to Oklahoma? And, you know, both of those guys hopped on a Zoom call with Coach Doral. We also interviewed other people. And after the Zoom calls, Coach Dole brought me into his office and he was like, hey, I need to talk to you about something that's been on your mind. And I'll, I remember telling my wife, I was like, the way he was talking to me, I thought there was bad news coming. And I, I shut the door. I was like, oh, man, Coach Dole, all right, I'm ready for it. Um, and he was, you know, gave me his opinion on Coach Pearson and Coach KD. And, you know, I'm very grateful of bringing those guys here because it's a perfect fit for me. Like I said, I want to be known for culture. Um, schematics are schematics and with what coach Doyle is trying to build here and what I am trying to build on the defensive side of the ball I can't find two people that are more uh, deserving so you know coach Pearson was a defensive coordinator at Ottawa for I think seven years um, he was the co-DC with me going back to ego's the enemy you know if I can work with that man and we're both co-DCs we're calling it there's not going to be an issue coming here And then bringing in Coach KD was he is a tactician. I think he is very, very good at what he does with corner play. And with his time at Wagner, he learned a lot. And I knew that on his interview because he was talking about different coverages that we didn't run at Gannon. And he was teaching it to us. Um, So, you know, the band is back together in Oklahoma. We always joke about that. Uh, We were just with Coach Nardo uh, yesterday, clinicking with them of some of the different stuff that we're going to add. Um, and, you know, it's a surreal feeling of I know that the back end, the DBs, for example, are going to get very good coaching because there's two full time guys back there. Um, obviously, watching the film, I thought the linebacker core was very good. Um, and just talking to Coach Harwell, he is a very smart football player. But to me, the main thing is the kids love him. Uh, seeing him in the weight room with them, just seeing the way he talks to them, the culture is going to be here of exactly of what I want. Um, so it's a perfect fit. It's a couldn't find, you know, a perfect duo to run the back end with Coach Pearson and Coach KD. And I think Coach Harwell, he's he's a player's coach. You should see him in meetings as a team meeting when Coach Dorland, uh said that he was a linebacker's coach. That room just exploded. So, you know, it's a surreal feeling to
2: have so much support on the defensive side of the ball.
0: And, and, and having Coach Nardo essentially just down the road in Stillwater, how kind of big of a plus is that for you to have someone that you respect uh, personally, uh, professionally, kind of to maybe bounce some things off? Like how, how, how big is having him so close by for you?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, a huge thing is me, TP, KD, and Nardo's, we're all very close family-wise. So just us having the chance for my wife to go see Emma and have our kids go play together, to me, that is vital for everybody. Um, In the the scheme of coaching, you know, I could call Coach Nardo and we could just sit there and talk about football for hours. And it's something that him and I are really close about is just how how to change stuff. Um, But to me, it's surreal having everybody here in Oklahoma, seeing all of our kids play together. In 2022, uh, Coach KD had his kid. And obviously going through the season, uh, you don't really get a chance to see your family too much. But now when I got to see Ezra again, it was just kind of a surreal feeling to have everybody. And us going to see Coach Nardo, you know, seeing his two little kids grow is, is awesome. So it is going to help us defensively, you know, just us being able to drive over there and clinic with them. And, and I have these ideas to, to, that I want to run. You know, you as, as a DC at Oklahoma State, like pick it apart for me. Um, and hopefully we see success. we see some success with it. Um, but to me, the the end of the day, it's all about the relationships and our families being back closer.
0: Um, now earlier I know you you mentioned some things, especially um about the the, the front and the and the back end. Now, I know um last year that was kind of a sore spot to some of the the program, um, especially in the early part of last season. In the back end, I've, we had I feel like more bust than we should have. It got better down the stretch. I think we only end up allowing about two hundred yards game passing. Um, so it kind of even even out. But how we got there maybe wasn't the best. Um, what 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 kind of um are, are can, can 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 fans expect to see out of the secondary this season? Maybe in terms of of mindsets. Um, and style of play and things of that of that nature.
1: Yeah, so, you know, I, I'm not going to speak on the past. Something I really want to hone in with our players is, you know, big time is where you make it. And right now, our feet are here right now with our mentality to go win in spring ball, like go compete. Um, you know, overall defensive wise, what we always say when we go to recruit and our mentality is we want to bring in runners and hitters. And one thing I firmly believe I'll talk to our players about is what we are trying to instill into them is what we call chaos. And, you know, the word chaos is everybody hears it and they think of just so everything is going on. You know, no, being being relentless. Chaos is being relentlessly confident, um, which is a C in it is to me. Players are only as good as confidence. And us as coaches, we are not here to break down the players. We are here to build them up. We are here to make them the best versions of themselves on the field and off the field, building those relationships. Um, And the main thing of the culture for everybody is being humble. Um, Something that we will do is celebrating together, take the the individuals out of it. We're all on the field together, Um, holding everybody accountable in terms of on the field, you know, where are your eyes Uh, technique wise, like don't do your own thing. Like let's do this thing together. Um, But also being accountable off the field academically, like, Go hang out with each other. I shouldn't have to worry about you guys. Um, the oneness, and I think this will be something that you'll see in the season of we have celebrations we do as a team, as a defense. There's not individual celebrations. Um, and it's something that I want to be known for. If you look at a lot of the Gannon players when they tweet, when I tweet, um, the I love you celebration is huge. It is You know, to me, ego hurts you. Ego hurts your family um, whenever you have a decision of it. So take the ego out of playing, and you don't care if you're the guy that makes a play. You don't care if you're the guy that makes a TFL. You care about doing your job so the DBs can get an interception. You care about doing your job off of the field so Central Oklahoma is always into the positive and and a bright part of Edmond. Um, And then the last thing is just being smart. And that is why it was important for me to bring in two full-time defensive back coaches is it is a lot on them back there. And there's chances that if you do too much, it slows them down. So we want to make everything simple. We want to make these guys extremely confident and to go trust themselves and build that belief of success. So right now, you know, I think it's getting them to believe in my scheme, getting them to believe in my system. But all of it boils down to chaos. So. My main thing is you're going to see a lot of effort. You're going to see a lot of swagger in terms of they're going to be confident, humble, accountable, oneness, and smart. Um, And my main thing is this is a game. It's going to be fun for them. We're going to have a lot of energy on the sideline um, in all three levels, but it all boils down to the culture of celebrate together. Take the the ego out. Take the individuals out of the game of football, and I think it's special. That's when you know your culture is set is – Nobody cares what you do. And that is one thing why I took this job is talking to Coach Doral of talking about what his envision is. You know, why was he 55 and two at Northwest? You know, in that those 2013 to 2016 seasons, it's culture. It's all about recruiting. Um, And he said something that I also believe in, of like sweeping the sheds of the all black rugby team in Australia, they don't have janitors. They, they clean everything themselves. They do the laundry themselves. And I figured out that our players do the laundry. Coaches don't do the laundry. Like they clean the locker room themselves. They have positions weekly that do it. And to me, the culture is set. Now me coming in, it's just, how can I make this better? So when you ask like, what are we going to expect in the back end? A lot of confidence, a lot of energy, and a lot of just clips
2: of them trusting themselves to go make a play, to be quite honest with you.
0: Um, I think that's, that's, that's a positive because um, last year, well, and even now, um, you have some returning guys that are more of a high energy, uh, Jonathan Mosley's, your J.K. Moore's. Um, those mm-hmm. were guys that played with confidence 11 out of 11 games. Um, Mosley, in my opinion, maybe was the most improved last year. Uh, He took a tremendous step forward in coverage he had. I think the vast majority of our picks, Um, JK had two big, big picks as well. Um, So uh, I think that there is talent in that room, I think. I was told Dylan Buckhead is still back. He missed last season. He's one of the better shakes in, in the conference. Um, Kobe Stevens is a really versatile player too. So I think that kind of was a thing last year is is, is maybe we're, we're maybe we're more talented than what we were um showing. So I know that kind of was was a concern. Um you also mentioned earlier the run defense. And I know that was a a big concern for us. Um this past season, we ended up switching to a four-man front. It got better. But I, I know the thought is stick to the three-man front. Obviously, again, and you you all had really solid run defenses out of the three-man front. We did two back in 2022. So how can, um, I guess, you you bring that stout run defense out of a three-man front back to Edwin?
1: You know, me just being here for a short amount of time, you going back to the energy with J-Mo, J-K, J K. That is impressive. Um, And it is Coach Doro in terms of we do weight room grades and he does not believe in leading by example. Um, And I always told kids, like, I'd lead by example guys. And when he said that in a staff meeting, I was sitting there and then I watched in a weight room. The guys that lead by example, they do things right, but who are they pulling with them? And when I was a player, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a lead by example type of guy. You see J-Mo out there. And he is just talking to anybody, you know, quarterbacks, long snappers, O-linemen, D-linemen. And I turn around and I just see people smiling. Um, That is what's like the energy, the want to be good here is second to none. So when you talk about like run fits and all of that, you know, I think we have very I know we have very good players here that can do it. Um, For me, what I think is makes us different than a lot of three man odd front teams is I always start in the run fits in terms of like, what can we do in the coverage? And to this point, I think that is what separates us is we have eight different run fits of how to adjust, how to multiply, how to run different cover threes and and change up the box. How can we run match cover three and be stout in the run? Um, it's important to be able to change who your mic is, who your boxer is, who your splitter is based upon every alignment rule that you have. Um, So going into the season, it's all it's going to be a lot on the guys to learn of, you know, where do you fit? Why do you do things with gap scheme? But at the end of the day, it all goes back to the belief. So when you talk about run scheme, I think effort and energy make up for a lack of scheme. Like there's going to be a few schemes where we're short. But if you play with effort, you're going to go make up. And us charting loafs, us charting missed assignments, all of that stuff, I hope, is fixed in the spring and me seeing the energy that Coach Doral has brought into the everyday of the weight room with the guys and Coach Harwell, we will bring that to the defense and we'll be perfectly fine. Um, so my main thing with being a three man front and stopping the run, I think, I don't think you can be stagnant, especially in this conference of, you know, being in an odd front. I think it's important for you to be multiple and having the players for you to change up, um, the point keys and doing all that stuff on the defensive side of the ball.
0: Um, and, and you have, do I mean? I mean, there's, there's, four, there's four guys really stuck out to me last year. Two being, uh, two seniors, Hunter Largent and Zane Adams. Uh, those are two very big, athletic, um, physical, high energy guys there. Um, Hunter and Zane had a monster game against Pitt State in the season finale. Uh, probably. Top five performance out of a out of a deep alignment in my time covering. Um, you also, I know there's Wesley Hudson. He came on really strong um, as a true freshman. I think there's Johnny Wilson. He did, I feel like he did a very good job affecting the play without maybe getting to the quarterback, playing the passing lanes. Um, I think you have Zachary Stilwell, very high motor. Um, I, I feel like there's, there's talent in that, in that room, um, along with the, um, the guys that that you that you signed, I didn't want to touch on that because that is a very violent, physical, high energy group of defensive linemen that you signed, um, and it it makes sense going through this interview now of what you're looking for because it seemed to me really that whole defensive class at, in general, but that front seven, a lot of the characteristics you're looking for, you're getting in that a uh, class. Kind of talk about what, what excites you most um, about that defensive class that you and your staff signed. Um,
1: you know, I got to give Coach Leck a lot of praise. Of When I took this job, he was doing a lot of recruiting. You know, every D lineman, every linebacker, every DB. Um, our GAs are phenomenal. You know, Coach Dudley, Coach Neal. I was most impressed when I got here, and Coach Dudley – knew everything about every D lineman that was on that board. And, you know, I don't think we could have put the class together without those three guys. And then you add Coach Harwell, who, you know, he got here, he finalized that linebacker class very quickly, and he also knew every small detail about every one of the linebackers. So in terms of what excites me the most is all competition, is people know that we brought in depth. And one thing I know why we can be successful here is hearing the players talk. They're excited about a big class. They aren't like coaches bringing in people to take my spot. And I think that's one thing that makes us different is if we bring in a transfer, I don't have JK mad that we brought in a corner transfer. JK is happy because we all have support and we can all rotate and we can play really fast. Um, so to me, that's the main thing of. You know, bringing in the number of we did, everybody fits the culture that we are trying to push of uh, runners and hitters. Um, you know, Brogan Hardy, for example, he's wrestling in the state championship here at 630. Um, that is a very tough individual. Um, so whenever we go into looking at it is what other athletes or what sports do they do? The state of Oklahoma and wrestling is very good. Um, so to me, if they're a wrestler, especially D line wise, they know how to work with body control. They know how to work with levers. They know positioning and it's a mentality. They're going to compete. They're going to be relentless. Um, the other side of it is I do think we brought in, uh, people in the, the depth of the positions that we needed, you know, D line wise, we have a very good group, but we're very limited number wise right now. So us bringing in a defensive line room is it's going to help us as a team and, spe- uh, in uh, Scout teams, but also it's going to help us go compete in fall camp because people know that everybody wants to play um, defensive backwise, you know bringing in the transfers that uh, the staff has brought in is going to be huge with competition and I'm telling you right now the the transfers that we brought in. I have not seen a faster group buy into the culture. And that is, you know, all of, of Coach Doral, but also in the recruiting process of the kids that are here want to help change our mentality. And they are bought in. They're front runners already. They're leading the weight room. Um, they're not just sitting in the back. So right now, the culture that we have going into spring ball, I think is vital. And then this high school class coming in, if we can keep the same energy, the same confidence and belief after spring ball, I think the sky is the limit in terms of what we can do defensively.
0: Um, now you, you, you mentioned Brogan. Now that brings it back to, because you touched on coach Harrell. I, I'm a big coach Harrell guy dating back to uh, 2022. Um, I, I did. I think by far, I felt like last year, I'm this. We felt like that was the, the best unit on the team. Um, it, we felt like it was already deep. It got deeper. Um, Because you have, I feel like, maybe the best, one of the better trails in in the conference between uh, Connor Johnson, uh, Jack Puckett, who came on really strong as a redshirt freshman, uh, and Noah West, uh, who had a tremendous 2022 season. Um, It it, kind of dipped last year, we figured, because we did lose two really good pass rushers to graduation. Um, But, like, what, what, what about that unit, I guess, most excites you or most stands out to you? There's two things, number one is
1: they're extremely athletic um very athletic uh but also the other thing is in the weight room, they are extremely competitive within themselves um you know with Jack watching him, he is a very physical guy, he trusts himself coming from a great high school program, he knows football, just talking to him. you know, I recruited Jack as well when I was at Emporia um I remember talking to his family, I remember doing Jack's photo shoot, and when I actually uh Got hired here, and Coach Doral told the team Jack was the first person to come down and talk to me, um, and actually Stillwell was too. So for that linebacker group, I am very excited for the depth that we have in terms of injuries going through spring ball fall. Is we have a depth and a talent in the room to be able to rotate and put people in the best position to be successful. Um, the most important thing is their mentality is. They want to compete. They are going to be very physical. Um, And a lot of that is coach Harwell and what he's going to bring into, like what you said in 2022, I haven't watched that film, but watching a few games in 2023 is Connor Johnson is very athletic. You know, he is a guy that can play C gap and go chase down the bubble. Um, I think there's multiple guys in the room that are waiting for their time and spring ball to go compete in you know, have a coach to believe in them to push themselves to go be a starter.
2: I
0: mean, you mentioned 2020, 2022. Uh, yeah, Connor Johnson had a breakout season there. He um, was making plays, I mean, uh, uh, making sacks, making TFLs, interceptions, fumble, fumble recoveries. Um, I, I felt like he had a better 2022 under Coach Harl than he did last year. He came on stronger at the end of the season. Um, but yeah, no, you mentioned the, 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 People in that room. I mean, there's still um, there's Reese Roller who played for special teams last year for us. Uh, Kaysenberg played for special teams last year for us. There's um, what is it? Uh, Ethan Macklin. Uh, I was very high on him out of Morris in, in terms of his, his his ability. And then obviously the class that you signed with Brogan and Cannon and I, just a just a group there. I felt like was just screamed football players. I felt like kind of the vibe I got was these are football players. You know, you you kind of. But, like, if you've been around the game, you kind of know. Um, you can kind of tell. And I feel like that's kind of what we were lacking, and I feel like that's what we've got a lot of. So with all that, then, I guess, what, what kind of um, are your goals here that you hope to accomplish during the upcoming spring practices?
1: Um, number one is identifying what are we really good at as a defense. You know, with us running the schematics that we do, there it's very easy to put too much in and it's very hard on linebackers and DBs. um, And I want them to be confident. I want them to play fast. Um, So I think we'll know very early, probably practice eight or nine of spring ball of what do we want to be known for? We know the structure, we know the base coverages, but the small details that we can change to make our guys play really fast. Um, So that's probably my number one goal. The other one is to build a relationship with every kid and to know I am here for them because I think if you are in the college coaching professions, there's a direct split of why are people into the game? Um, I want to build relationships. I do this for them. I do this to help them. Um, one reason I chose to be a coach is it gives me an opportunity to help everybody with a different circumstance in their life. You know, coaching football is easy. Coaching football is, is the the. But everybody thinks it's the most time. No, it's not. It's building relationships. It's getting the belief in the buy in from the players. Um, so going through spring ball, uh, the competition is going to be huge uh, in terms of, you know, who is going to be running, running out their day one of fall camp. But at the end of the day, it's getting the guys to buy in um, and having the trust of what we do schematically
2: will work. Um.
0: Well, before we get you out of here, we do this with all the new guests, kind of, trying to get know you type questions. Now, I know you, you're you're a father to two young boys, so you probably don't have a lot of time um, outside of coaching and that. But do you <laughs> do you have a favorite hobby outside of football?
1: Um, like you said, like I love to spend time with my boys and my wife, um, Maddox. When I get home, I feel like it's WWE for two hours until he goes to bed. Uh, but outside of football, you know, being from Emporia, I love to play disc golf. Um, being up in the north, it was tough. There wasn't as many courses. It was obviously colder. Um, so kind of my hobbies. I am actually a big video game guy. Me and actually quite a few guys on the staff will play a lot of video games. Um, it's kind of one thing that I'll do to de-stress. But lifting, disc golf, video games, playing out or hanging out with my family is the bulk of my time. Um, not very good at basketball, but we have a big players on coaches basketball game coming up. So we we can't lose as coaches to the players before spring ball. We're, we're way too competitive.
0: Well, uh, (laughs) well, I, well, as a scouting tip now, uh, Dawson Hurl informed me. Now he's a decent shooter. So, uh, uh, my one that can contain him there. He, he said he kind of modeled his game after Clay Thompson. Do with that as you will. Um, but that, that's something I gleaned from the last interview. So I just ended up there. So, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, who I'm afraid so
1: of? Tough. Yeah, everybody's talking about Zane oh, no, Adams ahead. and I don't think I am big enough to go body for body with Zane right now. I'll, I'll try my best. There ain't going to be a free layup, but, uh, seeing him in the weight room and the way he moves, there may have to be some fouls. So I'm going to make him shoot from the free throw line, not the block.
2: Yeah, my
0: when I fir- my, so my first introduction to Zane was watching his high school film at high school. I think he was 250 at that at that at that time. And the first clip was him at running back breaking like a 60 yard run. And I said, "Okay, this is a different cat." So, yeah, I wouldn't advise getting in his way. I wouldn't be trying to draw charges if it was me personally. <laughs> Uh, maybe you kind of come up from from behind, hit him when he's shooting. <laughs> <What? Hey. laughs>
1: Coach Doral may not like it, but I may try to take him out of the game. Uh, I, I got to win.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's great. All right, now, so now you mentioned you play video games. So now, are we are we Xbox? PlayStation or PC?
1: PlayStation. Um, I always played PlayStation my entire life. Um, I'll play pretty much anything, you know, Rocket League, some Warzone. Uh, I'm actually terrible at 2K. I quit playing at I, I don't like to lose, so I'm not going to waste my time. And then I thought I was good at Madden. And then my first week here, Coach Dudley kept talking, and he beat Curly in the offensive staff room 21-0. to and so I was, I was doing a little scouting report. So it was like that night I invite Coach Dudley to a game. First game, he beats me 21-0 in like a quarter and a half. And I was like, this is ridiculous. So I'm now starting to train to beat Coach Dudley going into spring ball.
0: <laughs> well, now, uh, yeah, I've, I've seen that on Twitter because Coach a little bit challenging recruits. And he keeps posting every time that nobody's, nobody's beating him. Now, J-Mo has told me, he, or in him, he's the best Madden player on the team. So maybe playing against him might help prepare you. Now, No one has, has substantiated that with a lot of confidence behind it when I've asked others, is that in fact the case? No one's really confirmed it. So some say fiend ignorance. So I do that as you, as you will. He, he claims he has uh, a certain playbook that he won't divulge. He claims he has a certain playbook that he uses. So uh, I, yeah, I, you know, I, he had, he didn't want to divulge those secrets.
2: Yeah. So well, uh, after we may claimed, need, uh, like, yeah, No
0: one's backed it up. So.
1: Yeah, we may need to uh, get it set up in the locker room downstairs on the TVs, and that can be a
2: competition before spring ball.
0: Oh, let's see. Okay, um, let's see. Do you have a, a favorite a favorite sports team?
1: I actually don't. Um, I, I get this a lot. Being from Kansas, everybody thinks I'm a Chiefs fan. Um, I don't watch too much basketball. I'm actually a much bigger players fan than an org- organization. Um, obviously, watching Mahomes right now is incredible. My all-time favorite player is Tom Bali um, with the Chiefs. I think a lot of my coaching techniques, aiming points, when to throw moves is a lot of breaking down his film. Um, Yeah. So big, big players fan. Uh, Somebody I played in high school was Tevin Jenkins. Um, He was an O lineman at Topeka High, went to Oklahoma State, got drafted to the Bears um, with Justin Fields draft class. So he was a starting guard there for two years. So um, I'd say right now I'm a big Bears fan because of watching him, just me playing against him in high school and seeing him dominate at the NFL level.
0: So, OK, so with now your fandom kind of lying with the Bears, is Justin Fields the guy?
1: I think so. Um, I'm going to have the confidence in him. I think, you know, the is it more the the receiver that got brought in? You know, I, I think you see a big step in Justin Fields when when they brought in a weapon. Uh, I do think the confidence, if Justin Fields has confidence, he dominates. There was a, a good stretch last year where he played well. Now, on the flip side is Gannon played Shepherd the year before I got there. And me watching that film, the Bears starting quarterback for three or four weeks was the D2 quarterback from Shepard. Um, so it was really cool watching him play. You know, he's a guy that comes out of the PSAC. There's a lot of talent there. Um, that was really cool once again, made me a bears fan seeing seeing another D2 guy play. like I love watching the Packers play because they have d2 safeties that start for them. So yeah, Justin Fields
2: think he's the guy. Um, they just gotta gotta keep getting some pieces around him okay. um now do you do you think
0: that they trade down in the draft to get more to get more picks? Or you think that they stick wherever they're at and if they don't take a the quarterback, they just take, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. or offensive lineman or something of that kind
2: of thing? Um,
1: well, what I think Poles has done a good job is getting draft capital. Um, if you can trade down, if it's a few positions, I don't think that's the end of the world. Get yourself more depth. Uh, they showed a lot of success with that the last two years. Uh, But if you can get Marvin Harrison, I think it's something that you have to do. He's very good. I was actually, I was at Ohio State when I was up at Gannon. They had a mega camp and I saw Marvin Harrison. Uh, We actually got to stay and watch an OTA. I got to sit in D-line meetings with Coach Larry Johnson. Learned a lot from him in 50 minutes, you know, just sitting there writing notes. Uh, Jim Knowles allowed us to sit in our full defensive meeting. But I'll tell you, when I saw Marvin Harrison Jr., He did not lose a single sprint in any of their warmups, special teams, drill work. He holds himself to a different standard than I've ever seen. I've never been at the Division I level, but he is a different guy. He just in the short amount of time I saw one of my teammates is actually a strength coach at Ohio State, Logan Powell. And he just said that attention to detail that Marvin Harrison has. He said, you might walk into the indoor at 6 a.m., 5.30 a.m., and he's going to have – they have like an automated jugs machine. He'll be in there running routes. He said it's a different work ethic than anybody else. So to me, if you have that at Ohio State and you separated yourself, this guy's the limit in the NFL.
2: So I would not be mad if they drafted him. Just give him another weapon to, to go make plays. um let's see okay your
0: uh your favorite your favorite food
2: Ooh,
1: I'm a big food guy if people know me I always say I'm a fat kid at heart I I love food way too much um I would say Italian food just you can get pizza in there I'm a big pasta guy um you know being in Emporia had really good Mexican food so there for a while I would have said Mexican food but uh, just being in Erie, bigger city than Emporia, it's about a hundred thousand people. And then coming to Edmund, there's way too much Italian food for me. So me and my wife we're trying to hold it to one day a week. We're gonna order food in for the family.
2: Now,
0: now, now uh, I know we mentioned JK earlier. Now JK informed me he can make some mean pasta. So uh, uh, he, he, done, he didn't really divulge that until he kind of mentioned it. But so. You know, you never ask him. Hey, I mm-hmm. pasta. I know when I talked to Coach Dorland a few years ago, he touched on he has this great uh, recipe for chicken wings. So uh, okay. there's 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 that as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, there there are some some cooks on the on the on the team. What I've been what I've been told.
1: Well, it sounds like JK can do everything. Is is what I'm hearing. So I'm gonna have to see it when I believe it. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's okay. Your, your favorite musical artist. Uh,
2: favorite musical, what? Um, artist. Um, I'm actually a big rap guy,
1: so I like old school rap, but right now just if I had to go work out or go do something, it's going to be young boy. So being in the weight room with the guys right now, they listen to a lot of NBA young boy. Um, but, you know, I really listen to everything. Uh I'm not a big country fan, but it has to be, like, faster-paced country. I, I can listen to it. So I wouldn't say I have, like, a, a too big of, like, this is the guy I listen to every day.
0: Now, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I did support it in the response of NBA Youngboy. At like, 90% of the guys I talk to is either NBA Youngboy boy. Or the baby, little baby, and I'm like, there's got to be more than those three rappers out in the game now. They, you know, I I don't I haven't listened to the, a lot of popular rap anymore. I'm more of a stick to my 2010-2016 uh, stuff. I've been more into the uh, Houston rap as of, as of late. But I just know there has to be more than just NBA YoungBoy. Now, what they keep telling me. Is NBA Youngwood does a good job of getting you hyped. Now would, would that be an accurate statement?
1: That would. That would. Okay. That would. Absolutely. He'll it, be the first guy. If I go in the weight room and I'm gonna max, I'm going to listen to him.
0: Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, I think we that now now I know you mentioned you do this in the country. I know Hunter, big country guy. I think when he came on EV he, he had this great breakdown of like the difference between new country old country red dirt it was a beautiful breakdown so I, if you ever want country music i think him andrew corny i've been told is also really big in the country music so i think those would be uh two of your uh two of your, your guys there and then i also was told if you want weird music Lemuel Gordon is more of your guy. Uh, I've been told that's not who you want on the Oxcord is what I've been Mm told. They said he's the worst on the cord. So uh, I just (laughs) – so um, I'm just putting that out there. So I I don't know if that's still a thing. I know a few years ago uh, someone told me someone put on some R&B Drake for a morning workout, which I don't understand why that was a thing. Um, so yeah, I, I, I just, I know, I know the music pace and locker room can kind of vary. So it, it uh, okay. yeah,
1: well, I'll tell you what, whenever they go work out, my office is directly above the locker room. Uh, you can tell who was on the ox that day. That's for sure. So hear the music clear as day. I can already tell you before I go down there, the, the energy, if it's, if it's country, it's going to be a little bit slower energy in the weight room to start. If I hear some young boy, I look outside and I already see some guys sprinting out there. So. You know, to each their own, in their music taste. <laughs>
0: oh, <man. laughs> oh, that's great, Let's see um now, now, I had to ask because the background picture that that we have here now, I know you can't really see it now I, I know that some coaches might wear a chain, you know that might have might have you know a chain on, maybe two at the most, but I gotta say well, I don't think that picture more closer yesterday, I'm like, this man has. To have on between three and six chains so i have to now like i what, what we i mean do you have to 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 flex that uh, hard when you coach you get right because they feel like your defense is already the flexing hard you're getting stops you're getting set i mean and then they look on the opposing sideline and the man responsible for it is all decked out here and like Fifty chains. Like I have to ask, like what? I mean, what is that? Just do you just naturally roll like that when you coach? Like they just know when they see the multiple chains. That's Coach Swanson comment. Like what? I mean, what, I, I'm just curious. Here.
1: So, go. That's actually a photo from the 2022 season. Um, we we're actually, a, I believe, playing Edinburgh for some reason. I remember that. Um, so our our starting running back, uh, Melvin Blanks, who is an All American. Uh, If you see in the photo, it has like a number two and then the other chain was his. So for some reason, uh, I always called myself the swag coordinator because I was the equipment guy and always joke around with the players. Um, He actually gave me both of his chains right before the game would start. Um, It was just kind of like a tradition. And then after the second game, our All-American guard, uh, Montana Niederk, He gave me his chain. So at that point in the season, it was just, you know, the standard of after warmups, they'd come over, give them to me,
2: and I'd try to rock out, look the best I can. So I do not own those chains. I was thinking. (laughs) I own one of them.
1: (laughs) Yeah, my, my brother bought me one. So we'll see if we carry that tradition on. It looks good though.
0: Okay, okay, because see, I thought that because I know um with Texas this past year when, when the running back was hurt, he wore all the other chains. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe it's a similar thing. Well, I mm-hmm. you know, you have you have to have added okay, okay. That makes a lot more sense. I was about to say now, like, there's no way this man is casually wearing three to six chains.
2: No. no <laughs> <wonderful> <laughs> line. It's like, man, that's a <laughs> – no.
0: Now you mentioned that you you kind of were responsible for the the swag. Now, again, going back to J Mo here, he claims he's the swaggiest guy on the team. Uh, now that that's been disputed by some. Some have told me on the offensive side, Jacob Delso is swaggier. Uh who was put so uh, it's it's been disputed now. Uh, were you the type when you played now, were you big into the year or were you more so of just like, give me the basics and let me play. Now I know you were, you were rocking a single digit. So that, that kind of alone there, um, you know, it's different for a D D-line. You, you were a single digit as a D lineman, you know, that's kind of yeah. you want to stand out there. So like, aside from that, was there more to it or, or, or was that just like the extent of, of kind of your,
1: No, I was uh, pretty basic. I always wore one arm sleeve um, and that was about it. Just an arm sleeve. And when I was wearing my knee brace, I'd have like a sleeve under my knee brace, which I guess looked good. But no, I was pretty basic. I didn't have much swag as a player. But going back to JMO and, uh, you know, I may have to throw somebody else in there j he was looking good. And then the other day he was wearing overalls with a white shirt. And I was like, you think you look good right now? And he said, he was like, coach, I have the most swag on the team. And then after workouts, I was walking out and I saw Kobe Stevens in a turtleneck flexing his, his, uh, his chain. I may have to throw Kobe Stevens up there. He, he has a little bit of swag, a little, uh, little bit different, different uh,
2: what am I trying to say, uh, outfits on than, than the rest.
0: Okay, see, now, uh, Mosley's going to take credit for that. So, because when when Kobe first got here, man had no gear. It was to the point when I talked to him, I was like, were you aware that there was gear for you to wear? Because he, I mean, he only had a towel and gloves. I mean, he there was no bands, no nothing. Uh, I thought maybe it's a freshman thing where I, I would. So, uh, then Mosley said he was working on that with him. So I'm sure if you ask Moses he's going to take some credit for Kobe's, I guess, upping his 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 swag game, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I had noticed that he he kind of has gotten a little bit more more gear. Uh, I know I know Hunter's kind of on the side of like, you know, he's not big on the what is it, on the on the sleeves. I, I know he he kind of feels like some guys are kind of scared of the turf burns. Uh, I know that's kind of when it, when it, when it was one when it, when of his grudges. Uh, now, you mentioned you wore one sleeve. So why one sleeve and not two sleeves?
1: Um, actually, so there was a point in the year where we would like match up defensive ends on tackles, kind of depending on your skill set. Um, not not as much scheme. So I'd actually wear the arm sleeve on like my inside hand. I was going to play that game because I, I had a really bad problem of like taking face mask to my elbow as a DN. So it was just a padded sleeve to try to take away a little bit of that that force. It wasn't for the looks. It was actually all for my protection.
0: Gotcha, <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Um. Well, I guess my 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 final question for you is: w- What can you CO fans expect to see out of Cody Swanson's defensive unit uh, in the upcoming twenty twenty four season?
1: Um. It all goes back to that acronym chaos of we're going to have big belief in runners and hitters. Um, we are going to have a very confident group in terms of they will know the team, the, the schematics of it inside and out. Um, but my main thing is just being relentless in all aspects of being relentless and effort, being relentless and celebrating together, being relentless in technique and, um, So what are you going to see is just a lot of fun, a lot of energy, um, and then just having a different type of swagger, not the cockiness, but the swagger of I can go make this play. If I'm a corner put on an island, Coach Swanee has all of the faith in me to go do it. There's, you know, if we lose games, it ain't on the players, it's on me as a coach. If we win games, it's all on the players. There's nothing I did schematically to, to put us into that position. So that is really what I want them to know is everything that we will do is for the players So when you watch the game film, what you're going to see, you know, people trusting themselves. When do I take a shot? When do I need to get to a short stride? Um, But at the end of the day, when you see I love you celebration, that is that's the culture. That is the oneness that we will have as a unit is we're going to play for each other.
2: We ain't we're not playing for ourselves. It's it's playing for the team.
0: Um, well, coach, I appreciate you taking time this afternoon to come on and talk to us. Um yeah, we're really looking looking forward to uh to, to seeing what you guys do this spring. I hope to get to at a minimum the uh spring game, if not a practice or two. But uh I'm wishing you the best of luck in the in the spring. Um anytime you want to come back on, more than happy to have you.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And I take a lot of enjoyment of watching your your show. And I think it's very important at this level to send out, you know, the content at the division two level. And I think university of central Oklahoma is a special place and what coach Doral does is special. So, you know, whatever I can do to help you
2: and whatever we can do as a football program to help you just let me know and we'll do our best to you know, push everything forward.
0: Oh, great coach. I, I really do. I really do appreciate that. I always felt, um, the first time I covered a game back in 2017 and realized the high level um, of, of of football um, and realized that, okay, may, there was maybe not many people know about it. Really, I think you see the two and I think people kind of discount it already. Um, it, when in actuality, it's really good high level football. Um, you mentioned before, there's guys on Sunday that come from the D2 level. Um, so I, I, I just try to do my best to educate and get more eyes on it because there are talented players um, at, at at this at this level that deserve coverage too, um, and 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 so that's kind of been my my mindset throughout this whole thing. So I, I really do appreciate um, the the kind the kind the kind words there. And, and you watching the content, it, it really does oh, a
1: lot. Absolutely, my uh, my parents are actually up here this weekend, and the first thing my dad said was that he listened to your show of our recruiting class, and then I feel like my dad was quizzing me on every kid. So, you know, what you're doing is getting watched. And then you talking about just the skill level at D2. You know, during my time at Gannon, I was very fortunate to have the D linemen and everybody that we had. Um, But actually, you know, there's a few kids just in my time there. Nick White was a defensive end uh, who played for me. He actually just signed his agent. He has his pro day coming up. Um, Obi was another DN for me that he actually committed to Oklahoma State. Um, you know, hopefully he's the guy that'll make it to the next level. We had Chris Farnsworth who played in the all-star game, but then you transition to coming here. And, you know, I think the main difference is the old linemen are a lot bigger in this conference, to be honest with you, a lot more athletic. Um, so, you know, I'm a huge fan of the D2 level, just me playing it um, and really, you know, trying to help the guys here better themselves. But like I said, big time is, is where you are. Um, big time, it's no longer like, have a mentality going somewhere else. It's big times where your feet are. And, you know, hopefully we're really good here and we can help a few of these players get a chance at the next level.
0: Uh, yeah, I agree. I, the MIAA, I, I mean, it, to me, it's, it, it's, it's. I'm, I feel like it it probably rivals what you see on a D1 level. Um, it, it, Like you said, the, this big physical athletic guys, Um, you've, you've got, you've got burners. I know there's a guy from Wallsburn, I think won a great cup up there in Canada. Uh, this 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 past year, you know, you've got you got you had the Nathan Shepard spend time in the league. Um, I think there was a guy from Northwest Missouri a few years ago, uh, mm-hmm. There's Zach Davidson. So, no, there's very good, very good talent. I mean, even for our standpoint, um, we had a receiver not too long ago was with the Chiefs. Uh, he played in Canada. He's now playing for the Tulsa Oilers of okay. the Indoor Football League. Uh, we have Rob Fuentes playing in the indoor football league now. Um there's Trayvon Craig playing over in Japan. We've got Draquan Brown playing in the indoor football league. Um so no, I mean there's a there's a lot of talent and you know with the UFL now, Canada and and indoor football, I think there's a lot of opportunities for those guys um to to still continue to play the game at a high level, maybe open up some more eyes that hey, there's more talent outside of your your D1s, that um, you know, they, there are guys at every level that's, that's really good players. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so no, I, I'm, I'm very happy to, to be covering the way I cover. Cause to me, I, I feel like, I'm, I am I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'm uncovering something or on something that not everybody knows about. And so to me, it's like, Hey, I, I mean, you can, you, you know, um, you know, I, I will, I will, I will always pound the table for, um, <laughs> two athletes. Cause I, I mean, oh they're, yeah, they're really good. So, um, no, so I, 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 I apologize for the fact that, that you got quizzed over your signing class. I, I mean, I <laughs> I,
1: <laughs> no, it's, uh, you know, it, my parents, my family, we've always been very involved in athletics. And my dad might be my hardest critic in recruiting. And there'll be a point where he was like, Cody, you need you need to go sign a D tackle. And he's, like, on me harder than Coach Rayburn was. I'm like, I, I know I need to. Like, I'm trying. Um, so then coming here, he was always calling me, asking me about the, the D-line signing class. And then when Coach Leck left, like, you know, Antoine Gilbreth from Decatur, like, he was calling me. He's like, I saw you offered him. And then it got to the point where he was sending me transfers. I'm like, I know, Dad. I've talked to him. So, you know, I think that's a little bit different is <laughs> – when when your dad is uh, on you harder than a head coach, sometimes you you better produce and bring some players in.
2: <laughs> oh, that's
0: good. <laughs> oh, that, is, that is great. Mm-hmm. All right, so it's like a, so it's always so like it's never ending for you, pretty much. So like it, even if you leave the office, this. <laughs>
1: yeah, and then on the flip side oh, is my wife good. is very involved in recruiting too. So she, whenever I get done talking to a kid, she can probably give my exact recruiting pitch to every kid. So if I just like handed her the phone, she can take off. But, you know, she knows where the kid's hometown is, what their families do. Um, I'm very fortunate to have a family that supports me and, you know, my obsession with football and trying to take us to that next level
0: good yeah that's good i mean i know because i know they make a lot of the things people don't realize is the families of a coach also kind of have to sacrifice just so much time and effort goes into coaching from the recruiting to the to the film to the meeting to the practices um so they, they also sacrifice a lot so it's it's good you have that that support system there to understand and in some cases keep hounding you to um you know to, to, to continue being the best coach possible, but mm-hmm. but but no, I, I do. I please tell your father. I appreciate him uh, watching that that sure. Sunday special. I it uh, I don't know. My voice was giving out like halfway through it, but uh, I I I think I came out okay. I was kind of disappointed. So like I'm born worse my own worst critic at times. I'm like I, I recorded that was the second recording. I recorded the first one. It was just like no, that's not it. So then I re-recorded and then halfway through, I'm like, okay, my voice is about to give out. This has to be it. So uh <laughs> so it, it didn't come out exactly as I had wanted to, but uh the reception to it has been has been good. So that's all I can really, really ask for. So um, but no, I I do appreciate the uh the uh support. So um, absolutely. Go so, like I said, uh any any other time you wanna come back on, we'd be, be more than happy to. To bring you back on, um, and like I said before, I'm, I'm wishing you the the best of luck, uh, spring and and moving forward into the um, off season and into the to the regular season.
2: I appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. No problem. Thank you, Coach.
0: So I appreciate Coach Swanson taking the time to come on and talk to us here. Uh, I came away ve- very, 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 very impressed. Um, I think there's a lot to like about coach i think uh he brings he brings energy i think he's he he, he he's a football guy right i think we I, I that was what i was getting he's a football guy through and through the game means a lot to him uh it means a lot to his family um uh, obviously, the 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 rise has been quick, um, but it seems like it's been well earned. He's been productive uh, at at every stop so far, right? He played in the Mi Double A. He's coasting in Mi Double A. He knows the region, right? Where, where he seems to be bringing in a renewed energy there. Um, some of the things that he's touched on. Uh, Right, I mean, I think you got to be, you got to be encouraged about um, the, the 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 playing is one right because I think I have touched on this several times in, in in past episodes right. I felt like that wasn't always the case. I felt like it wasn't like it was in twenty twenty two, where it felt more like a team than it was a collection of guys. And so I think that his vision, his goal um kind of what he said cuz Dural's vision and goal is kind of aligns with that right and i i think that kind of that that that's, that's that's needed um and i think that his 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 energy his experience in the 335 uh right they said they're going to be changing some things around which right we're hoping leads to uh, better run defense right like we saw in 2022 um I think having coach harl back is is big as well we need to, we need to try to get him on too we're not able to bring him on that last time you didn't try to get him on too um so no so i I really think this is uh this is a great a great a great hire for us um I think you've got renewed energy I think you've got a guy um that players will play hard for, uh, that that players will will respect, um, and, and will have some 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 input in it. Uh, so I I I really like coach. I I, I really do. Um, I I think he has a very bright future, and I I I think we should be in good hands defensively um, for the foreseeable future. Um, I think if you pair that with the the signing day. That we've got the early signing day, the national signing day, right? Um, I, I think that if you we, we, we're looking at that before talking to coach, then talking to coach, you see how much what he what his vision is, and what we sign aligns perfectly. Um, I think it should tell you we're headed in the right direction there. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing how this unit looks in the spring. Uh, into fall and into week one and uh, I'm moving forward what you can expect probably going to be the only video this week And I got a family birthday coming up next weekend I will reach out to I got to see actually when spring ball starts again uh, if we can squeeze in another one-on-one before spring ball we will try well actually hold on, I got to do a spring preview don't I Okay, we're going to try to still squeeze, <laughs> squeeze in another one-on-one um, at some point, if we can, before spring, if that's possible. Uh, if we can't, we'll still have the spring preview regardless. Um, that should be up the week of spring ball. I got to check. I have the schedule. I got to check to see when that is. That will be up the, uh, the, the week the yeah like the week of not sure if i'm gonna make it a video or just over here on spotify i'm kind of debating about that um not i think in the past we just did it over on spotify Uh we'll, we'll see how much time i have was we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see but i need to make a, a a poll on that. i'll probably actually make a make a make a make a poll on that on twitter slash x uh, you link, uh, the, all the information is below, um, I'll probably post a poll there, see if people want a video or not uh, regardless, we'll have some kind of spring preview up, and then if we can squeeze in a one on one we will try to do so I know there are three coaches for sure, I want to bring well, four well, I'm trying to bring on the other coaches that we haven't talked to yet um, throughout the course of the off season um I know I know for sure I want to bring on um the the the, the two coaches that came with uh Coach Swanson who follow me on Twitter I appreciate that off me to bring Coach Coach Harwell on I said we we're gonna do that back in 2022 and um we were just never able to uh, uh do that um unfortunately our schedule was never in line and then he was at um it was a Missouri S&T last year, I think it was. Uh so we're gonna try to get that there because I definitely want Coach Harlan. He's a very good coach. I think he has a bright future in this in this in this in this profession. Then we also need to bring on uh coach Dudley as well. He's been a big supporter. Um and then we you know there's coach Brooks now running back to still coach Neil so yeah, we 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 we've got some coaches, um, and I, I've been knowing that. I've been knowing that it's just uh, so close to spring. I'm trying to find the um, the time to to uh, do that there, but no, but just just know my goal is to get that done before the start of the season, so that 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 will be done there, um, and then we'll still have some one on ones. Um once I get a spring roster. I need to we got to that well once I get a spring roster, I have a better uh, opinion of, of, of who for sure I want to I have an idea, kind of make sure guys are still are still there, but uh, that's kind of what you can expect moving forward. Um, so again, I appreciate all the support, um, especially on my post the other day for uh D2 Day really appreciate all the kind words, all the messages. Um, it, it, it really, again, it just adds more fuel to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, Coach Swanson's kind words at the, at the, at the very end there, um, truly means a lot. So, um, until that time though, my name is Jonathan Goodall, AKA JG Smooth. I'll talk to you all later.